Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by Hotels.com. NBA Today is presented by Hotels.com, and we're back in beautiful Boston. The weather is calm. The city, though, anything but that. But come on, is Boston ever really calm? They're excited, they're nervous, and they're confident, all the above, because the stakes, they could not be higher. Game six is in the air, and it goes down right there in TD Garden in just over 24 hours. Got three seconds to get a shot off. Wiggins to pull. Pull gets it off in time. Oh, he banks it in. He banks it in. They count it. So the man whose voice you just heard is synonymous with the finals, Mike Breen. He joins us on set in just a little bit. Plus, the hero of Game 5, Andrew Wiggins. I sat down with him to talk about his unbelievable journey and more. And we will also speak with Jason Tatum ahead of his biggest game ever. How he plans on turning things around and showing up. NBA Today starts right now. We are back in Boston. I'm here with my friends Zach Lowe and Richard Jefferson. And gentlemen, we have so much to get into ahead of this game six. Let's jump right into it. I want to start with Jason Tatum ahead of, I mean, we can all agree, right? This is the biggest game of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like it. Every right. game in the finals has been the From biggest game. From here on out. Yeah. From here on out. All right. So we're going to start with Tatum's struggles. He struggled to take care of the ball this postseason. He's turned it over 95 times. That's the most in a single postseason since turnovers. They were first tracked in 1977-78. Tatum, he's also shooting just 36% on shots in the paint. So that's on pace to be the worst paint shooting percentage in the single finals in the last 25 years among the 125 players with at least 30 shots. That's after Tatum shot 53% in the paint in the first three rounds. All right, on the bright side, though, Tatum's made 19 of 43 pointers in the finals. That's just four shy of breaking the 2008 Ray Allen Celtics finals record. His 47.5% three-point shooting is the fourth best in finals history, a minimum of 40 attempts. Tatum has raised his game a couple of levels when facing elimination the last three postseasons, averaging 30 points, nine rebounds, nearly nine assists per game, shooting 43% from three. That's his third most point per game when facing elimination over the last three seasons among players with more than two such games. Way too many stats. Let's get to our Cassidy Hubbard who caught up with Jason Tatum. Thanks, Malika. Jason, I, I don't need to tell you the stakes of this. Al Horford did that for you guys on Monday when he says that you guys need to look each other in the eyes and figure it out. What have been the conversations internally and what's the tone in the locker room? Uh, everybody's upbeat and confident, right? Uh, obviously, we know this is the finals, but throughout the playoffs, this is our, we've had three elimination games. Uh, so we've been in this situation before. And if you don't you know, know what's at stake, if you don't, you know, you're not upbeat for this, and you know, you're in the wrong field. 
Um, so we're confident, you know, we're excited to be back home. Um, and we don't have to win two in one day. We just got to win tomorrow, give ourselves a chance. And, you know, that's what we're looking forward to doing. We know no one is a bigger critic of you than you, maybe outside your mother. Um, but how satisfied are you with your play in these games? You know, obviously down 3-2 is like, all right, there's a lot more I could be doing. Uh, and I still have more opportunities. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I can't change what these last five games have been like. You know, I don't can be in control of what you know, I can do to help my team out tomorrow. And, you know, regardless of what I do, if we get a win tomorrow, that's all that matters. Well, Coach Imiadoka said that he thinks that you're looking for fouls on the attack. You haven't attempted a dunk in these finals. What is your mentality on the attack? Yeah, I think I need to start playing off two feet a little bit more, being under control, uh, limit some of the, the turnovers and things like that. Not more so looking for contact, you know, looking to make a play. I think that would be more helpful uh, for myself, you know, in those moments. Well, as you mentioned, you've shown that you can figure it out, 3-0 and in elimination games. What are you specifically tasking yourself here in game six? You know, the mindset, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to win, you know. At most, we got two games left. You know, and I'm not ready for the season to be over with. So, uh, you know, get some rest at night, be ready tomorrow, and, you know, do whatever it takes. Well, so much has been made of, of, of your stats, whether it be success with high assists or you setting a playoff record with turnovers. How much are you paying attention to stat trends, and how is that impacting your preparation for Game 6? Not at all. I'm not watching TV. I'm not on social media, on Twitter. Uh, when I come home, you know, I'm playing basketball in the driveway with Deuce or watching a movie, uh, you know, so I'm not paying attention to any, any of that, you know, what, you know, people are saying or not saying, um, you know, that's always going to be there, and that's just part of what we do. Um, you got to accept it, but, you know, it's all that matters if we win or lose, and that's all I'm worried about. Yeah, we saw that video of Lil Deuce playing on the big Deuce hoop. It, it, there's so much noise, as you said. Is that how you deal on your off days, especially heading into high-intensity game like this one? Yeah, that's the best part, right? You know, Deuce is four. He doesn't know the magnitude of what's going on. He didn't understand. I just got off a six-hour flight yesterday. All he cared about was, can we go outside and get buckets? And, you know, in that moment, you realize, like, you know, this is what's most important. And, you know, that's the beauty of having a child that, you know, it takes your mind off things, especially when things aren't going, you know, how you want them to. Um, you can just relax and, and be regular at home, you know, with your family. You're clearly his idol. But lately we've been seeing you wearing a lot of your idols, uh, whether it be Kobe or, or, or Jordan. We also saw you wear Tiger Woods post-game. Um, and who could forget you wearing the armband in Game 7. What are you hoping to draw from those all-time greats as you head into Game 6? Uh, that's just something I've been doing kind of my whole life, you know, uh, you know, whether it be shoes or items of clothing, you know, guys that I admire, guys that I look up to, uh, you know, that have inspired me to get to this point. Uh, so I wouldn't change that now that I'm, you know, Jason Tatum. Uh, you know, I would just kind of stick to what I've, it was natural to me and what I've done to get me to this point. Do you have any expectations to honor or acknowledge anyone for game six? Uh, I ain't picked my outfit out yet, but, uh, you know, you never know. We'll, we'll see what I wear. Lastly, you've played in a lot of high-stakes games in this building. What are your expectations for the crowd here tonight? Oh, we got the best crowd in the league. Um, and tomorrow's not going to be any different. It's our last home game of the season. 
Uh, so I know it's going to be rocking here, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, we, we owe our fans a win in front of them. So, you know, that's the plan tomorrow, and, uh, you know, they're going to be ready to show up. Thanks for your time, Jason. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. So you can hear more of Cassie's conversation with Tatum's on hoop streams ahead of game six. Richard, I, I want to start with you here, though. What do you want to see? What do you need to see from Jason Tatum tomorrow night early on to say, you know what, that's going to result in the Celtics win? Well, it, it's funny because, you know, you understand why he might be relying on his three-point shot maybe a tad too much is because he's shooting the three well. That's the one thing that he's doing well uh, at an elite level. Look, he's averaging 23, 7, and 7. These are ridiculous numbers. But, yes, when you start to get to this level, and I don't want to necessarily say criticism, but the expectations start to get extremely high. What I want to see from him, really, it, it's just a really balanced attack but everything that they need is him in the fourth quarter you so you talk about the fourth quarter so it doesn't matter the start of the game it's how you finish yeah. but the start of the game will help you finish the game if you get some free throw attempts if you go to the basket hard try and get a dunk attempt these are the things that I think the Golden State Warriors have been taking away from him and allowing him to focus on a three-point shot and I just think he's just struggling to kind of get the balance well Ime Odoka said that it sort of seems like when he's going up to the rim he's not necessarily looking to finish he's looking to for the foul that that's what he thinks Zach well look I think you gotta start with two things number one the Warriors defense is incredible and when you get into the paint they make you think they disguise are we are they coming at me are they not coming at me are they hanging back there I mean you can see him thinking and being a little uncertain of what to do number two He's approaching a thousand minutes just in the playoffs. Ooh. Like they could be wearing down mental fatigue a little bit. You see that in his decision making a little bit late in games. Like he can get the Curry matchup or the pool matchup whenever he wants. And on a lot of these plays, he's sort of going away from those matchups, trying to attack Wiggins, trying to attack Clay, trying to attack Draymond, their best defenders, and settling for some tough shots. What I'll be looking for early in the game is does he get off of it early? Does he trust his teammates? Because when they make the simple, when he gets the, the good matchup, attacks it early makes the simple play they get easy good looks well and when people talk about a young Tatum let's look at the maturity of, of great scores especially in his space the post-up how important the post-up would became for LeBron for Kobe for MJ that's the next iteration because now when you're posting up and you're not doing your work 30 right. feet from the basket you can post up jab move get to the bucket you can do these things so when we look at the future of Jason Tatum that's where he's got to go because that would solve a lot of the problems that he's currently facing right now finishing around the rim trying to get some free throw attempts, trying to get some dunks. I think he looks comfortable posting up, too. Like, he yeah. shot over Gary Payton. He shot Anything, over Jordan anybody. Poole. The, the point he made that we shouldn't overlook in, in the interview with Cassidy, jumping off two feet. Yeah. I know that's a point of emphasis for the team within the team right now is when you go up with one foot, you don't get as high. You don't get as powerful. You don't look as under control. Right. The refs, I think, are less likely to give you calls. When you, when you gather it and go up with two, you might get some foul calls. The problem is when you, when you gather the ball, Draymond Green, they're, right. com they're coming for it. Right. They, they make it hard for you. Well, and Ime Odoka, he was talking about that the other day. Brian Windhorst was on our show saying, watch for Jason Tatum to be going off of two feet. They're putting such an emphasis on that. But one of the things that we heard Jason Tatum say in that interview with Cassidy is that we owe it to the fans to win. And you Ooh. can imagine how Ooh. this building is going to be. So on the other side, the superstar for tomorrow night's matchup, it's Steph Curry. He spoke just minutes ago about those fans. I'm the petty king, so I know all about everything and I, I use it as entertainment and, and, and just have fun with it because the more you're on the stage the more you realize 
the attention that's on you, how much it means to each fan base, how much it means to the cities. So you can't really be surprised by anything because uh, there's, there's a lot at stake when it comes to winning championships. And the more that you get into these environments, the more you use it as entertainment and fun and uh, embrace it because you, honestly, you wouldn't want to have it any other way knowing that you're on this stage and you're playing for something that really matters to a lot of people. What's that saying? You gotta stay, if you stay petty. petty. If, if, if you stay petty, you don't have to get petty. And while he is a petty king, <laughs> I'm Richard Petty, so I understand everything that he is doing. No puns, and we're, we're uh, not no, funny. We're just, gonna, okay. we're just gonna keep going. Number 43. Yeah, well, you know, look, we're, we're we're just gonna keep that a little quiet. But look, at the end of the day, when I look at Steph Curry, these are the moments that you enjoy. These are the things yeah. that you play for. When you're sitting in the garage or you're sitting in your yard and you're like, oh, he, he's got the shot. Three, two, one. Even as a kid, you dream of hitting game-winning shots. You dream of quieting the crowd. And the greatest crowd in the game of basketball is the Boston Celtic crowd. So if you have an opportunity to quiet them in the NBA Finals, there's not a superstar that hasn't dreamed about it. There's not a super, There's not many superstars that hasn't had to do it. Michael, um, um, you know, Michael, you look at Kobe, you look at Magic, you look at, you know what I'm saying, so many great players have had to do what Steph Curry is trying to do. So if you want to be considered one of those greats, you got to do what the other greats have done. Remember when he threw the mouthpiece into the crowd in Cleveland? You yeah. were there for that. Yeah, he blamed me. He said it was my fault. Did I he mean, really? Yeah, always yeah, yeah, how he said he blamed me. Look, number one, there's New England Northeast crowds. I'm a New Yorker. Just a little different. There's a little, a little edge. different. There's a little, a little meanness different. to them. We're not as polite as the fans are going to be in the Bay. If you're wearing Warriors gear around Boston right now, not you're, just, you're just asking for it. Yeah. It's not a smart. It's not a smart idea. Number two, Steph. Look how cool and calm he is. They've been on this stage so many times. They know exactly what it's going to feel like. They know what it's going to sound like. They're not going to get rattled by the moment at all. You know, teams get to close out games. Right. Sometimes it's the hardest game to win. They, they know all about this. They are going to make the Celtics earn this tomorrow at home. Well, and here's the other thing. Steph Curry, remember, he didn't have a three in his last game. So you can imagine that his mentality coming into this game is, okay, I'm going to need to go and get mine, Zach. Well, I, I will. I want to speak on that a little bit because 0 of 9 from 3, I think he played a really good game that's being overlooked a little mm. bit. He was 7 of 13 on twos, 8 assists, one turnover. They won the turnover battle by 12. I thought his defense on switches, like, he's pretty strong. I thought the 0 of 9 overshadowed a nice all around. And he's obviously, he's drawing two and three guys wherever he goes at all times. You disagree? No, no, I 100% agree with Ooh. you. I, I, no, I, I think that I, I think that it actually gets a little bit scary when you see that 0 for 9 and mm. you still lost if you're on the other side. Like, hey, we did our job on the three-point right. line. So and I know I, I, you, your brain is like, well, we need to clean this up. But at the end of the day, you still look at it as like, damn, we held him for 0 for 9 from 3. He didn't beat us from 3. We shut him down and well, still Well, particularly to. because the Celtics have talked about the fact that part of their game plan is make everybody else beat you. Mm -hmm. So what happens when they do? We're going to get into that. Still to come, though, on NBA Today, I sat down with the hero of Game 5 because Steph Curry, we just talked about it. He didn't get it going. Andrew Wiggins, he is going to talk about his ascent, so do not miss that conversation. And it is Mike on the mic. Mr. Breen himself joins us shortly to talk about all things NBA finals calling them past and present plus speaking of presents we've got a gift for you a must-see video of the greatest closeout games in finals history memory lane in just a little bit you know, I feel so good. I 
Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. NBA Today is presented by Hotels.com. Find your perfect somewhere. Warriors are one win away from getting back on that championship throne. I know the city's going to be behind us. It's winner go home. No, what one more win means. You can talk about it. You can embrace the challenge. You just got to go do it. Game six, just around the river bend, the Warriors and the Celtics. Do you get that reference? Yeah, yeah, Thank you. Got, yeah. Uh, they just wrapped up their media availability, and I am so thankful that both Tim Bontemps and Kendra Andrews, who cover those teams for us, have hustled, ran up the stairs to be here on set sprinting. with us. Sprinting. Yes. You don't look shiny. Anya did a great uh, job. She always does. <laughs> yeah, cleaning everything up. Um, Tim, I, I want to start with you here, because this is, as, as we kind of agreed earlier in the show, the biggest game of the Celtics season. Every finals game, the stakes get higher. It couldn't be higher than this. So what is their mindset heading into this game six? Their mindset? Malika is that they have done this before, mm. right? They went to Milwaukee in game six against the defending champions, against the best player on the planet in Yaz Tedekupo. Jason Tatum had 46 points and they won. They went on the road in Miami, game seven. Obviously the last couple minutes of that game they would like to forget, but the first 46 minutes of that game yep. were pretty much flawless, right? And so they believe if they come out here and play the way they're capable of playing, they can win these two games and they can win the title. And that's, you know, Emi Odoka said repeatedly throughout this run, that the Celtics like to make things harder on themselves. Like they have to do it as hard as possible all the way through. That's why I think we're going to play in game seven on Sunday. And it just seems natural that this is the way this is going to go. Well, what is that, that Monty Williams saying? Everything that you truly want, everything that's worth having is on the other side. I hard. love that saying so right. much. So they're making it the absolute hardest. That's, the, that's, Warriors, the Celtics are doing that to the nth To the degree. extreme. They <laughs> don't right. even need the hats that Monty always wears. <laughs> on the other side, though, the Warriors are looking to avoid that. What is their thought process, particularly coming off a game where, as we discussed, Steph Curry, he couldn't get it going from three. Well, the Warriors haven't necessarily made things easy for them in other series. Up until this point, they failed to close out each of their series yep. on the first attempt. They say that there's not necessarily a common thread through that, except that it's hard to close out series. Andre Godala and Stephen Curry said clinching, winning the title, that is the hardest game you will ever play, partly because of the way that the Celtics, the other team's going to come at you, but also you're in your own head. But Clay Thompson said, look, we have to stay in this moment. <clears throat> we can't look ahead to something that we don't have yet. We have to stay with what's actually in front of us. So the Warriors are cautiously optimistic. They hope to close it out, but it's really hard in TD Garden, right? Cautiously <laughs> optimistic, particularly in TD Garden. Richard, <laughs> I, I don't like to bring cameras we or er, co comments we have off mic onto mic, but I'm going to in this case because we were all having a discussion about potentially if there was a team to do this against, to come back and win two consecutive games, 
it could be against the Warriors. Why? Well, I, I look at this. It's not just the Warriors per se. I look at the Boston Celtics and how they play. Mm. You know, you look at them. If they don't turn over the ball, then they win, right? It's like, you know, the, if they don't pass 15 turnovers, everybody's been talking about it. If they shoot the ball for three. One thing that we know about the Golden State Warriors, and let's say we saw that in the Memphis series where they just okay. went and laid an egg in Memphis and then they barely won. <laughs> yeah. They barely won. And I think it was game three and game five. Like these games weren't dom they weren't dominant warrior performance. So when I look at the Golden State Warriors, they can go cold from three. Mm -hmm. We saw the greatest three-point shooter in history go 0 for 9. They can go uh, they can go cold for three, and they will turn over the ball. That's been their whole story over these eight seasons that they've been dominant. So you can do this against the Warrior team. You have to make them turn over the ball, and then you have to avoid them beating you from three in those quick bursts. And then that's just what you need to do for them. On the Boston side, you know, you can't turn over the ball, mm. and you have to knock down threes. So it's just really just that ebb and flow and it can be done Tim mentioned game five game six rather against Milwaukee the aftermath of that game five loss remember that's the Bobby Portis offensive rebound the blow on lead 14 point lead in the fourth quarter is viewed within the team as a pivotal moment mm. on this journey and the way they responded to it the difference here is they knew in that series yep. the carrot is game seven at home Mm -hmm. Game seven's on the road in this series. The other difference that you mentioned the Miami series, they were just flat out better than Miami, and I think they knew it, and I think they felt confident no matter where the game is. This is a different beast, a different animal. It's also, I'm very curious, two things. This is the first time they've lost consecutive games all playoffs. They haven't lost three games in a row since uh, January, I think, maybe December. It might even be December. I'm curious to see if that, like, you know, that we respond every time. That's been broken now. The Warriors got them twice in a row. I wonder how they're going to respond to that. And the last thing is the fatigue. The Warriors have had a yep. much easier and shorter path here. The Celtics have had a just two bloodbath series in a row to get here, and I just wonder if they're starting to wear down. I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. You mentioned in game six. minutes. It, it, He's up to almost a thousand minutes. Up. That's like half a regular season's worth of minutes in 20 whatever playoff games. Well, and then the, the the one thing I'll say about, especially when you get to this finals, the easier path. People sometimes underestimate that. Are you going to be battle tested? And look, the Celtics were battle tested, Absolutely. but the Golden State Warriors were also rested, right? They were, you know, and so the Warriors had a, a, a task in front of them. But when I look at what this Golden State Warriors team what they can do what they're capable of doing but playing in Boston Garden playing here in game in game six I believe like when we got when we were able to win game five against this Warrior team we were like if we win game five it's going to seven that was our mentality if we win game five it's going to seven because we weren't going to lose on our home court yeah. our crowd our energy we just believed in that and then we thought anything could happen in seven so I think for the Celtics it's just hey win this right. one win, win one this home one, game win one, one home game. game that's it and anything can happen you guys in are forgetting seven. this team can't win games at home that's the one thing that's a bit of an issue right they they're five and I don't know if they're exactly 500 I think they're six and five at home in the well, well, I think the they're detail. winning tomorrow. Just win one. Just win I think they're gonna. One. You just have to take it one at a time. There, That's there, right. There's just real quick here, Tim. Yep. You were saying something interesting about how externally we talk a whole lot about the Celtics' defense, yep. but internally it may not be the case. Well, look, Emi Odoka said repeatedly, everybody keeps asking him, what do you do guarding Steph Curry? What do you do with yeah. the defensive sets? Are you going to play Al Horford? He says every time it's about our offense, mm. and it goes back to what Richard said. I was joking with Bob Myers before the series started. These teams are very similar. Mm -hmm. If they play within their strengths and play to their to not turn the ball over, to take care of the ball, to value possessions, they're going to be the team that wins the game. As, as he said, 14-2 and two when you have 15 or less turnovers, 0-7 when you have 16 or more. 
That's the, that's the whole thing for the Celtics. If you tell me their possession number tomorrow, you tell me how many turnovers they have, the Celtics are winning the game if they're 15 or under because they, to me, are the better team if they take care of the ball, which well, they don't always do. And we've, we have talked about this repeatedly, that the Warriors, they are the team with the highest of highs, but their lows are also pretty low. The Celtics, they are just solid all the way around. Yep. Can, that so, can that solidness... Don't know where solidity? 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 solidity. I was going to say solidity. I like solidness. <laughs> I think solidness is good. Well, the other but part of that, too, really likes, quick. I'm not the other thing about it. that, really quick, we saw in the fourth quarter, particularly of game five, the Celtics got into it with the refs. They lost mm -hmm. their composure, they lost that solidity. That's something Emi Odoka's addressed with the team. He doesn't want them to be talking to the refs in game six. Yeah. I expect them to not be doing that. And as Zach was talking about guys going, Jason Tatum going off two feet, yep. I think we're going to see a very aggressive Jason Tatum tomorrow night in game six. Solidity will be the word of the game Solidity for now. game six. Solidity <laughs> as solidified as Kendra's red lipstick. Still to come on NBA Today, my sit-down conversation with the hero of game five. That wasn't a stray. That was a compliment. It's a good color. Andrew Wiggins, his journey, and so much more. We'll get into that shortly. Uh, plus, might I interest you in some Top of the Top featuring the greatest closeout performances of all time? Yeah, oh, you're going to want to stick Duncan. around for that. And the man behind the microphone for some of those performances, Mr. Mike Breen, he also joins us. That's next. NBA Today rolls on after this. Head on me now, head on me now. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to NBA Today, presented by Hotels.com. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James with the rejection. Final second, science for the win. Back out to Allen, history brother. Bang! Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Welcome to Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Poole gets it off in time. Oh, he banks it in! Wiggins drives and finishes! Exclamation point! Oh my goodness, what a treat this is. We are joined by the voice of the NBA on ESPN, Mike Breen. Thank you so much for taking the time. Who was that screaming for <laughs> on that highlight package? Sometimes you, you hear them back and like, where'd that come from? But yeah. no, I'm, I'm honored to be here. I Often on game nights throughout the entire season, that's what I'm watching in the hotel room while I'm getting ready to do a game, so it's my honor. Well, we appreciate it. I feel like there's a little bit more gravitas on set yeah. now. It <laughs> balances out Richard a little no, bit. We bring no, no, no Richard would say no, the, the fewer the better, but I will leave that decision up to you. <laughs> We're going to get to story time. I do want to start with this series, though, because this is your 17th NBA Finals, and I feel like I'm questioning my knowledge of basketball watching this series. What has stood out to you so far? Well, for me, the finals is, is so much about the human stories, about the different players, the ones who've been here, the ones who've never been here, and how they handle it. 
Um, that's the part I love. In terms of the actual series, um, it's just so unpredictable. Yeah. And the whole playoffs have pretty much been that way. Uh, so many, so many, not just your typical 10-0 runs, your 22-2 runs. I mean, we have them almost every game. And, and the, the massive momentum swings is something that I can't remember seeing this many over the course of a series. And that's what makes it so hard to predict. Uh, and that's what makes these next couple of games so fascinating to see who's going to be able to figure it out to make the big plays because they know each other so well. Um, so I, I, I can't wait for game six. I can't wait for the atmosphere at the TD Garden tomorrow. I can't wait either. You weren't at the first couple of games. You were home. You were recovering from COVID. Did that change your perspective of JVG and Mark Jackson? Watching them in the booth uh, without you, what was that like? Well, first off, um, uh, kudos to, to Mark Jones. Yes. Uh, him getting that opportunity, parachuting in at the last minute, and he nailed it. He was he was so great. Uh, you know, I felt for him having to work with Mark and Jeff, but <laughs> all of our crosses to bear. Now, you know, quite honestly, Malika, I can't, um, and I don't care if anybody thinks I'm not objective, I think they're the two best analysts in, in sports, what they do, what they see, what they've taught me um, uh, has been tremendous. And watching them from back in the hotel room, which was hard, uh, you just appreciate it more. And you appreciate the whole production crew and, and the, the producer, Tim Corrigan. Um, it's been, it's, you know, I feel I'm the most blessed play-by-play -play guy in the business because of the people who surround me and my appreciation for the people who surround me skyrocketed after watching the first two games at home. Do you have any advice for me who if I have to deal with Kendrick Perkins and, and Richard Jefferson and Zach Lowe every day? It gets, it gets Zach tough. is an angel. <laughs> Zach, Zach is easy to deal with. He, you know, he, he, Mike understands that. But, um, you know, the thing, too, is, is when you watch, when you watch from, from, my hotel room i wasn't home i was stuck in the hotel room in isolation um i'm still yelling at the tv in terms of a great play happens i'm screaming yeah because that's what i that's what i love i've been in love with this game since i was five years old and when you see the best on the biggest stage do these unbelievable things um it's just fun so i was able to watch the game as a fan i, I like to think that i broadcast as a fan and that's why i'm a screaming fool sometimes because you get caught up to it but it was a different perspective, and it made me appreciate the job. I, I feel it's it's an honor and a responsibility to call the finals games, and that made me even feel that way more. You have had the, the honor, in your words, of calling this for Steph Curry six times. How does this one compare to the other five? It, it's interesting to watch the evolution of any player. It's one of my favorite things, and watch when they come into the league, what kind of player they are, their mindset, their mental approach, and how they grow in so many ways, grow um, in terms of basketball skills, grow in terms of dealing with the highs and lows of being an NBA player. And him, his consistency and the kind of, of young man he's been is the thing that's always impressed me. Um, he's, a special, he's a special young man who's been able to handle the success, been able to handle the failures with the same type of poise and class. And the thing about him is, all right, so he's won two MVPs. Mm -hmm. He's won his three championships. His hunger to win a title in, in some ways has increased. His hunger to be the best shooter yeah. in the history of the game has not waned at all. It's, it's incredible to keep that kind of hunger, that kind of, of devotion to your, to your craft that he's had after all these years. I think that we all kind of want to get to story time with Let's Mike go. Breen yeah. because I, I know that you've been on the call for, for countless finals games in your career. 
do you have a favorite that you think back to, whether it's a favorite call, a favorite uh, game that you have called? It, it's, it's hard. It really is hard to put into one. Uh, again, it's been such a privilege to have so many games that have you know, have great memories. You know, the Ray Allen shot, the three-pointer, because that really decided who won a championship. Yeah. Uh, the LeBron James block, um, that if he doesn't block that shot, the Warriors probably win that game. But in terms of a, a total finals, and people are surprised when I say this sometimes, maybe um, the best finals was 2014. Mm. It was only five games. But it was maybe the best team basketball I've ever seen play at that level when the Spurs won. Um, oh. It was incredible. That was one clinic after another. Yeah. And the way they were all just connected. I don't think I've ever seen a team on that stage so connected and play the, the game the way it's supposed to be played from a team aspect. So that's one of my favorites. Although I will say... Anytime it's a, a team that's that's kind of new into the into the yeah. scene, or it's been a while, like last year, Phoenix and Milwaukee, uh, the newness of being in the finals, and for the for the fan bases, and to watch Giannis Antetokounmpo do what he did, uh, in in many ways, I think he's the most incredible story this league has ever had. So I'll go on forever. I know. I was going to say, I, I, I have I, I one more apologize. question before I kick it over to, to that. I know you went into detail about this with Pablo Torre on his podcast, ESPN Daily, the other day. But can you tell us the origin of, of Bang? I, I was a student at Fordham. And, of course, I loved Fordham basketball. I went to all the games home and road, and I started broadcasting the games. And when I sat in the stands... I would just, when a Fordham player hit a big shot, and there wasn't a three-pointer at the time, I, as a fan, I'd just yell out, bang. <laughs> and I tried it on the air at first. I didn't like it at first. I kind of shelved it, but then went back to it. And um, it's just, it's, for me, it's a, it's a one-syllable word to make a call in a big moment where you don't have to override a crowd that's going crazy. Yeah. Well, um, do you know about all the memes that go on when it's like, <laughs> when Mike Breen says bang, but it's the other team. <laughs> but when it's like when you're watching your team and Mike says Mike says bang for the, for the other team, because there is that ebb and flow, like when you're watching Steph Curry and you say bang, if you're a Warrior fan, that's awesome. If you're playing against the Warriors, that bang that you say, that is the most deflating, just like like oh right because you love it but you only love it when you're a team do you other think about like the other side of that you're trying to make me feel guilty. no i'm not i'm just saying that <laughs> no, it is no. such a beautiful I, thing I'm, but I'm there's two sides of it, of it yeah I, i'm aware of it um i have three uh, adult children who tell me all these things that go on that I'm, I'm not <laughs> okay, aware of okay, okay. and i have friends that constantly try and and uh, make me feel that guilt but no it's it's um and again, it's so flattering to, to feel that it has something like that. By the way, um, I wasn't the first one to use Bang. One of the early early broadcasters to ever do it was Johnny Most, the great Johnny Most. And I wasn't aware of this uh, until after I started using it. But his son, Jamie, uh, let me know that it was one of his dad's calls. And I, I you know, I've, I have such reverence for the Johnny Most, the Chick Hearns, the Marv Alberts, all yeah. the great announcers. Uh, but he was one that used it way back in the day when uh, when the Celtics hit big shots. Wow. Johnny Most smoking the cigarettes and complaining about the refs uh, <laughs> on the air. Has there ever been a player who's come up to you and said, man, I love the way you said bang on that shot, or I can't believe you didn't say bang on this three that I hit. Has there ever been a player commentary like that to you? Chris Paul has come up a few times <laughs> and talked about it and, and uh, told me too like I get I get uh, people in the in the league who send me uh, pictures or, or videos of their sons or nephews when they hit a shot in a, in a game they're yelling awesome. bang in fact he did this you did it one time to me you sent me a video 
Oh, my kids. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So my kids would, uh, my, my, my youngest son, or my oldest at the time, he was on the uh, podium and uh, when we won the championship, but I would just replay the games uh, for him and just let him watch the games. And he was only, he was probably like four at the time, but like whenever Mike would like bang, and then all of a sudden I hear my, my four-year-old repeating Mike Breen. <laughs> Breen, Mike Breen, he's like, yo, block by James. And I'm sitting here just like, Mike, I, I like I texted him. I'm like, Mike, this is amazing. My kids love this. And they're, they don't even know. The thing that you're not going to be so grateful for is when you go up for a shot you miss and your kid goes way off. Way off. <laughs> way off. They just, my kids yell trash. It's just so incredibly flattering. And, you know, as a fan myself, you just want to to do the right thing at, at, at the right moment. You want to make sure you can you you do it right in terms of these players. They're so incredible. They're extraordinary talents. And when they do something special, you hope that you can at least give it the proper respect that it deserves. Well, we cannot wait to see you on the call for Game 6. Mike Breen, thank you so much for joining thank us you, here Lord. on NBA Today. He will be calling Game 6 of the NBA Finals. It is tomorrow night at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific on ABC. As the Warriors, they try to win their fourth title in eight years, while the Celtics, they look to force a Game 7 winner takes all. You can find the game on ESPN Deportes, the radio coverage tips with NBA Countdown at 8.30. Still to come on NBA Today. Um, do you remember when some folks poked a little bit of fun at the all-star starter Andrew Wiggins? Well, who's got the last laugh? My conversation with him. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The tag on Wiggins, no motor, doesn't really get after it. It bothered me in a motivational way. Gorgeous move from Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins has been brilliant. I'm just so impressed with Wiggins in every facet of the game. His confidence continues to soar. He's found such a crucial role on our team. He's taken on every challenge that, that we've thrown in front of him. You don't get more excited than when Wiggs dunks on somebody mean mugs him. Andrew Wiggins had a monster Game 5 performance for the Golden State Warriors, but he isn't necessarily known as the chattiest member of their team. I was able to sit down with him, and I did. I got him to smile a little yeah, bit okay. when he was talking about— You got him to smile? I know. Yeah, wow. When he was talking about his relationship with Draymond Green, what he has taught him, and his relationship with his daughter. Take a listen. In Game 5, you had this— enormous performance on a night where Steph Curry, he was a little bit off, and he had said, and others had said before, well, we need to make sure we help him out. What was your mindset going into that game? Um, just going to the game and, you know, being aggressive, mm -hmm. you know, on both sides of the floor, you know, trying to get active and get really aggressive on defense, and that would just help my offense just, you know, flow into it. But um, just playing together, playing Warriors basketball and playing for each other. You know, that's the main thing. I feel like that worked out for all of us. You had that monster dunk that got the <laughs> crowd going. Walk me through that. Um, I mean, it was late in the game. Um, 
game kind of slowed down a little bit. And I, once I got over that little pick and roll, all I seen was the rim. <laughs> so I attacked it. And that's when you maybe let a little of the Draymond out. The, oh, ah. yeah. When you were named an all-star starter, your daughter was the one who woke you up from a nap to let you know. What has it been like sharing these, these finals moments with her? What do you want her to take away from this experience? Um, you know, this is the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know, a lot of people don't ever get to see this or be at this stage. So um, just her just enjoying with me the experience. And uh, tomorrow night, she should, be, she should be able to say that her daddy's a champion. So Andrew Wiggins is hoping that tomorrow night his daughter can say, you know what, my father is a champion. Mm -hmm. He's been stepping up all over the place so far this series. If the Celtics are going to answer the bell tomorrow night, what player needs to step up and do the same for Boston if we're saying it's Andrew Wiggins for Golden State, Zach? I'm going Derek White. Uh, the Celtics small ball lineup with Horford at Whoa. the five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that, that lineup has struggled. They're minus 18 in 46 minutes. I don't think they win this series unless they unlock that lineup. And for, to do that, Derek White, who's starting to miss open threes again, starting to look a little skittish, both shooting and attacking the rim. I think they need a decent game for him. They need to figure out that lineup or they're not winning two games in a row. I, I, I'm going to say Marcus Smart, and, it, and it's not. That's it, too it, obvious. Well, no, I, well, I, I understand. because I Off the beaten path, Zach. I, I'm I'm going to say one thing, and I, and I don't want him to take this away. I've uh -oh. given up on saying Grant Williams, and it's not, and it's not because it's not because I don't think he can play. But I'm just like when I look at the players, and it's not. We're not going to say Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I'm going to say that it's Marcus Smart, and this is the reason why. If Marcus Smart can distribute and play an efficient game and keep, you know, the team turnovers, because mm. a lot of it is like, look, if if Jason Tatum can get a couple easy buckets off a of Marcus Smart feed, or if guys can make easy shots based off. Of some of his distribution, it forces them to have to create as much. So if he can take some of that pressure yeah. off the Tatum and the Jalen Brown and keep their turnovers down, that's I think could be a big thing for Grant them. Williams is 100% taking that the wrong way. I take, take yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I, didn't, I didn't miss any of these shots, and I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not saying you did. I'm just saying he's not going to take well, it nicely. Yeah, they don't want you to suit up either. Um, oh. Still to come on NBA Today, we're approaching the six-year anniversary of a one Mr. LeBron James doing that. Yeah. Was it the best closeout performance in NBA history? Yes. Richard, are you biased? Yes, I right. am biased, and yes, it All was. All right, well, find out shortly. <laughs> He's still overrated, though. <laughs> oh, hot take. That's not hot. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to NBA Today, presented by Hotels.com. Our next WNBA matchup is a star-studded Sunday matinee. Brianna Stewart in the storm at Madison Square Garden. They take on Sabrina Unescu and the Liberty coverage begins at noon Eastern. And listen up because that game isn't the only women's basketball content coming up in the ESPN family of networks. They are the women who will represent our country, the women of the U.S. national team. Let's meet the All-Stars. Jennifer Hazy. Who would you pick that you would say your game is very similar to? For a guard, I would have to say John Stockton. 
Ruthie Bolton. What's the limit on your range? Is it really half court? There's no limit. If I can feed the basket, I'm let loose of it. <laughs> Teresa Edwards. A leader on and off the court. He's a person cool. that's to be real respected. I'm just surprised Lisa and you been so nice, though. Well, you know, we are on camera. Oh. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa Leslie. Hey, who are you? You're somebody new on the set. Rebecca Lobo. Most of the team has voted you as a player that's similar to Christian Leighton on the Dream Team. Katrina McClain. <laughs> right. She has that outside move. She has a spin move. She has a finger roll. She's slapping backboards with two hands, you know. Nikki McCray. You know, I take a lot of pride in my defense, and I think that, you know, defense is the key to winning championships. Love the camera. Hey. Carla McGee. I don't want them to pay attention to me. Don't pay me attention. Let me get the ball. Let me score. Don Staley. Don's averaging at least two turnovers per game. And most of the time, it's Lisa's fault. <laughs> She's throwing the ball a little too high. Katie Steady. I think I've got the hustle and the intensity. I've got the three-point shot. This is the part people never see. Who's that? The glamorous side of basketball. And Cheryl Swoops. The team has voted you to be a player that's pretty similar to Reggie Miller. What do you think of that? Awesome. That's when who we she return wanted to hear right there. In 60 seconds, the top of the top best closeout performances in NBA Finals history. Do not miss that. NBA Today is presented by Hotels.com. Find your perfect somewhere. Welcome back to Boston. As we close out our show, we figured it's time to look back a little bit. We got to start with Tim Duncan. These are the oh, best no. closeout that performances. That was a good pass, Kmart. You gotta that finish was the block that. Got to finish block. that over the twin oh, tower. Oh. Look at that. I'm going against Tim Duncan and David Robinson. I'm out. That was a foul. Trophy. I'm like, yo, no, I'm just saying I'm going against two seven foot Hall of Famers. Your voice is getting hoarse just Because I'm stressed this. about it. I've yeah. never liked Tim Duncan ever to this day. You are having some takes, takes flying. Oh, he's just flying. overrated. That, those he's overrated. Well, let's go to the other guy you said's overrated. LeBron James, 2016. I mean. But, uh, honestly, I thought that block was a goaltend. I told Iggy <laughs> that. I, like, I keep Look using out. this. You know, just completely. Blocked by James. Hey, I can't do that's it. I can't give do some it. love to my guy, JR, for not fouling the that's, most crucial play on the JR, JR doesn't get enough love for that. JR, I, you know, I, we know. Well, we, know we got to bring it back to, to present day. Well, almost 2021. Giannis Attentacumpo, not 51, not 49. He wanted a 50 piece that day. Oh, the God. free throws. The free throws. The, 17 oh, of yeah. 19 at the line. With uh, the entire, the, all the fans. Oh, Frank, Kid, get out of the way. Sorry, Frank. Giannis Kane. is that dude. That was amazing. We're going to be watching him for the next decade plus. Absolutely. And then, look, you can see Steph Curry, avid golfer, taking a look at the trophy. Nice close-up there. What trophy Lovely. is Lovely. Well, it's the U.S. Open trophy. It's not, it's not the big one. He's going for that tomorrow night. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to chat about what matching tattoos these two are getting. Oh, me and Sorry, honey. And 